Hello, Lot here. Just wanting you all to know that this episode has been previously recorded and posted. So I hope you enjoy it or re-enjoy it. Welcome to Close the Door and Come Here, a Game of Thrones, A Song of Ice and Fire podcast with heavy leanings towards our two favorite characters, Jamie and Brienne. Tonight we move on from the Vale in our recap of Catelyn's chapters with Catelyn 8 from A Game of Thrones. General spoiler warnings for all of Game of Thrones and A Song of Ice and Fire. I'm Guile, and I am joined here tonight by Clotho. Hi, I'm Clotho, Clotho Spindle on Tumblr. Kama. Hi, I'm Kama, Grammar Saves Lives on Tumblr. Mitchell. Hey, I'm Mitchell, uh, the fake Mitch M on Twitter, and Mitch Mart on Snapchat. And Mo. Uh, hey, I'm Mo, and I'm Useful Spinster on Tumblr. And just a reminder, our wonderful moderator, Lot, is on maternity leave. <laughs> just so people know she didn't die or something. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, it's Game of Thrones. We might get a little bit morbid. Matt <laughs> would be proud of that. <laughs> <laughs> yes, she would. Not a lot of gore this chapter yet for her. So I want to recap kind of where we are in a Game of Thrones right now. And basically a lot of shit's gone down since our last chapter. Ned sent Beric Dondarrion and company to the Riverlands to deal with Gregor Clegane, and he also confronted Cersei with the truth about her children's father. In the meantime, Robert died from injuries during his hunt, and when Ned tried to deny Joffrey's claim to the throne, Littlefinger betrayed him. Ned was imprisoned, his men were killed, Sansa is currently a hostage of the Lannisters, and Arya is nowhere to be found. Meanwhile, at Winterfell, Rob called the banners and marched his army south. So... Basically, uh, everything's going to hell for everyone at this point in the story. Shit hit the fan. (laughs) Shit really, really (laughs) hit the fan hard. Um, And we catch up with Kat, and she's being accompanied by the Manderly boys and 1,500 Manderly men to Rob's army. And I I love her her description of the Manderlies. Uh, His boys were both older than Catelyn, and she might have wished that they did not take after their father quite so closely. Sir Willis was only a few eels short of not being able to mount his own horse. (laughs) She pitied the poor animal. (laughs) Sir Wendell, the younger boy, would have been the fattest man she'd ever known had she only neglected to meet his father or brother. (laughs) Willis was quiet and formal, Wendell loud and boisterous, both had ostentatious walrus mustaches and heads as bare as a baby's bottom. Neither seemed to own a single garment that was not spotted with food stains. <laughs> Yet she liked them well enough. They had gotten her to rob, as their father had vowed, and nothing else mattered. I mean, if you don't love the man release now, I just feel like you need to stop reading. <laughs> they're like, you know, like, those. there are people in your life who've gone, you know, when they were kids, they were called, like, Little Ricky or something like that. <laughs> And, and now they're 72, and people are still calling them Little Ricky, and it's very weird. It's kind of like that. That's exactly who they are. Oh, my God. Like in the movie Better Off Dead. Like the, yes. The, that guy. That's him. It's so, I mean, it's kind of, you know, again, I, I think I'm going to come back to this theme in this chapter pretty often. That on its face, it's one thing, but then reading it through after knowing what's going to happen, it's just 
like uh, tragedy upon tragedy upon tragedy. Yeah. yeah, you just sit here going, no, don't, no, no. Whatever you're thinking of doing, don't. <laughs> you just don't. Do the, the other. Do the opposite. Wave them off. Um, so they arrive at Mount Kalen and the blackfish, um, blackfish who is with them, sorry. So the blackfish is with Kat, um, is immediately skeptical of its reputation as an impregnable fortress. But Kat points out to him that, nope, the rune is really a death trap. She notices the standards on the towers, Umbers, Karstarks, and Starks, and she follows the banner to find Rob surrounded by his bannermen. And there's a sweet little passage. Um, Mother, he said, his voice thick with emotion. Catelyn wanted to run to him, to kiss his sweet brow, to wrap him in her arms and hold him so tightly that he would never come to harm. But here, in front of his lord, she dared not. He was playing a man's part now, and she would not take that away from him. I remember the first time I read this, and it's like, oh, she's being a good mom. You know, she understands what he's going through. But reading it now, all I can think of is the parallel to their very last moments together. <laughs> I just, like, my note just says, sob. Yeah. Yeah, the foreshadowing is so intense. I thought uh, yeah, that, too. Just, just like, oh, throughout this whole, like, reread, it's been like, oh, God. he really, I, I don't know whether he, I would love to know how much he had actually planned and how much he just sort of drew upon. Because mm-hmm, he definitely, yeah, I mean, I, I would love to know, too, because you can see the genesis of what Cat becomes. But knowing his style of writing, it's hard to suspect him of planting those seeds this early in the story. Right. Yeah, I'm, I wonder, you know, maybe he went back and he looked at certain things and certain scenes and set up, you know, parallels in hindsight, kind of. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, down the line. Yeah. And maybe that explains why, you know, some of the length of time it takes him to write, too. If, you know, every scene oh. he's like, oh, are there, are there any parallels that I can draw? Yeah, I, man, I know, and that's the thing. I mean, it, it really feels like there's. It, you look at it, and it's either are we some of the things you just can't be reading into. They just have to be like direct connections, you know. But yeah, mm-hmm. this one seems like very natural if he did plan it. Yeah, yeah, it did. Yeah, maybe he made like a note and like just went back to it. Then mm-hmm. what was the first thing? Because I, I think this is probably. Other than the scene in Bran's room, this is probably their first kind of alone scene in a way, or they're not quite alone, but it's, you know, one of their few scenes, or one of their very first scenes together, I should say. Um, So the men greet Cat, the Manderleys, and the Blackfish, and we meet Roose Bolton, dun dun dun, um, (laughs) who immediately, although really, actually, that's the wrong music for him, it has to be a little bit more, um, a little bit cooler than that, yeah. he immediately asks Kat if she still holds Tyrion, ha- Tyrion Lannister hostage, and she has to admit she doesn't, and thinks of her tense parting with her sister. Um, she had offered to foster Robert at Winterfell, and Lisa threatened to send her through the moon door, which seems to be like their solution for everything. <laughs> oh, man, I know, reading that, just that's wild. You know, I know from the other, you know, how intense she is, but to say that to your sister, I, right. she's over the top. I think because there's an awful lot wrong with that lady yeah. mentally yeah a lot of jealousy and a lot of yeah lots of oh i think it's good it's it's well beyond that i mean i i would say like you know like polite would be you know thanks no we're gonna keep them at home for a while or jealous would be 
you just want to get your claws in him. Get the hell out. And then there's the whole other level of I will toss you through the moon door myself. Yeah. And that just takes it to a whole other level of there's something really wrong with that woman. Yeah, that's just straight up paranoia from her. Yeah. It's Does a- George have any siblings? Do we know? Oh, I, I thought he did. I've never heard. Yeah, I've never heard of him. I mean, it's just he writes some very interesting. I mean, you know, some interesting sibling relationships, you know, beyond like the obvious snickering about Cersei and Jamie. I mean, I feel like the brat. It's hard for me to imagine that someone that wrote the Baratheon brothers doesn't have siblings because that's such a, you know, it's such an organic. Sisters. Okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um. Nothing about brothers, but that might explain some stuff, too. <laughs> what was that, Mitchell? Yeah, to say the age difference. Oh, let me get back on my, my Wikipedia <laughs> page, because, you know, only the best for me. I uh, does not, I don't think it says. Maybe he saw some knockdown fights. <laughs> this is they're younger. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, he's the he's the blackfish to their cat and lice, and then maybe. <laughs> God, I hope not. <laughs> oh man! So um, so Cat sends the men away, including you know Theon's kind of obviously lingering, expecting to be in on this private conversation before they can ask any more questions, so she can be alone with Rob. And she tells him that she could have given any of his lords, even Theon, command of his army, and remained in Winterfell. <sighs> but. Rob says, you know, they're not Starks. And there's this interesting little conversation where, you know, she's telling Rob, you know, he's not seasoned to battle. You are. And Rob actually asks her, you know, are you are you sending me back to Winterfell? You know, he's that much of a boy still. And it just breaks, you know, it absolutely breaks your heart that if she would have, you know, sent him home to Winterfell, he would have gone. He would have just gone home because his mom, his mommy made him. Yeah, and instead he's a fifteen-year-old boy leading an army. Yeah, I have a lot of sympathy for that because he, you know, he basically not that he. It sounds like obviously he didn't want that out, but in the sense that he still viewed her, you know, his parents as the heads of the family. Yeah. He doesn't necessarily want to jump into this, and oh man, I mean, it's deep inside, you know. <laughs> well, and I think in this, you know, in this world too, it's it's people didn't necessarily assume the leadership position while their parents were still there. You know, look at the Lannisters. Like, none of them basically have any leadership ability until Tywin's gone. Mm -hmm. Well, and look at his bannermen. Oh, my God. I mean, talk about people you probably would be much rather like, okay, Mom, you're here. I'm going to go now (laughs) because these people are freaks. I mean... How much well, would you be hanging out with the Mormons, though? <laughs> like, all well, of them. yeah, but I mean, you know, you've got the and one the guy other. who's, you know, you had to basically, your wolf had to attack him. Then there's Roos, Supreme Creepster. You've got the man. I mean, these are not. <laughs> They're not like super normal people. And we don't even have the well, reeds in there who are like the weirdest ones. <laughs> if you're an adult and you're dealing with other adults, there's a whole other thing. But I mean, <sighs> intimidating it's like they seem to have kept their children starks i mean um given them kept them children longer than is normal so there's probably that little dynamic going on too and also like i said these these are not these are kind of (laughs) weird you know and you're in charge of grown men men who are two or three times your age who have no wonder he kind of clings to theon a bit too because you know who else would he have 
Yeah. Although, you know, Theon would be a peer, yeah. Yeah, and he does have, like, the the sons and daughters of of the bannermen that kind of are his guards, so, like, the the Karstark boys, and I think um, one of the Hornwoods, and Daisy Mormont. So, I mean, he does, you know, pretty quickly gather these, like, kind of people of like age. Now, is Theon older? He's older than him, right? Theon's, like, 19, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, he's a bit older. And I thought it was interesting that he pretty much assumed that he was going to be able to stay because he hung back. And then Kat specifically asks him, you know, you too, Theon, to leave. Which, I mean, when you think, you know, again, from Theon's perspective, you know, in some ways he feels like that's his family. Yeah. So if they're going to have a family discussion, shouldn't he be there? Right. And, I, you know, it'd be interesting. You know, as much as people talk about wanting to see Rob's POV in in this, I would love to see Theon's POV in a Game of Thrones. Do you think if they had given Theon responsibility and let him, in a sense, you know, lead that, that he would have maybe not betrayed them? Or do you think that was kind of, like, bound to happen anyway? Well, I mean, you I know, know, the plot's the yeah. plot, but... Yeah. Well, I, I guess as a character, would Theon yeah. have, like, maybe that would have given him some importance in the family, and I don't know. <laughs> Well, I think it's one thing if you give him something comparatively, like even a significant responsibility is very different from, hey, you're going to lead the battle and are, you know, the troops now. I mean, yeah. it's a big. Yeah. I mean, even at this point in time, if they had left him in charge of Winterfell and let's say, you know, some raiding parties came, I mean, he would have, you know, a Theon left in charge, although I think he would have sulked it a little bit at not being in the battle. But, I mean, he would have died for Bran and Rickon at that point, which is so, you know, that's what's kind of funny about it is. Yeah, that's what I was thinking, because as I was reading and as you said, oh, you know, the Theon was, you know, I was thinking, oh, that would be such a bad idea. But then, no, I mean, if it was at this point in the story and the things, the other things that didn't have it, maybe it wouldn't have been a bad idea, you know. Uh, we'll never know. <laughs> yeah, or Theon. So, <laughs> so, is everyone ready to get super depressed? Oh. Sure. Okay. Or more depressed, I don't know. So Kat and Rob start talking about what's happening in King's Landing, and Rob shares Sansa's letter with her, and he notes there's no mention of Arya, and Kat forces herself to not think about what that means. She tells Rob not to count on any help from Liza, and Rob kind of falls apart a little bit, and there's a longer passage that I'm going to read just because I I loved all of it and I couldn't break it up. Um, Rob took it hard. Mother, what are we going to do? I brought this whole army together, 18,000 men, but I, I don't, I'm not certain. He looked to her, his eyes shining. The proud young lord melted away in an instant, and as quick as that, he was a child again. A 15-year-old boy looking to his mother for answers. It would not do. What are you so afraid of, Rob? She asked gently. I, he turned his head away to hide the first tear. If we march, even if we win, the Lannisters hold Sansa and father. They'll kill them, won't they? They want us to think so. You mean they're lying? I do not know, Rob. What I do know is that you have no choice. If you go to King's Landing and swear fealty, you will never be allowed to leave. If you turn your tail and retreat to Winterfell, your lords will lose all respect for you. Some may even go over to the Lannisters. Then the queen, with that much less to fear, can do as she likes with her prisoners. Our best hope, our only true hope, is that you can defeat the foe in the field. If you should take, if you should chance to take Lord Tywin or the Kingslayer captive, why then a trade might very well be possible. But that is not the heart of it. So long as you have power enough that they must fear you, Ned and your sister should be safe. Cersei is wise enough to know that she may need them to make her peace, should the fighting go against her. What if the fighting doesn't go against her, Rob asked. 
What if it goes against us? Catelyn took his hand. Rob, I will not soften the truth for you. If you lose, there is no hope for any of us. They say there is naught but stone at the heart of Casterly Rock. Remember <laughs> the fate of Rhaegar's children. She saw the fear in his young eyes then, but there was strength as well. Then I will not lose, he vowed. <laughs> like, oh. He's just She's little- not wrong about any of that. I mean, it's actually a very good summation of the situation. But, I mean, I mean, just how heartbreaking to basically, you know, it's heartbreaking that she has to, sorry, it's heartbreaking that she has to tell him that, but then it's equally heartbreaking that they do lose, you know, (laughs) like he does lose. And then I didn't even catch this when I was um, writing down the passage, but they say there's not but stone at the heart of Casterly Rock. I know. God, (laughs) George, you, I see you. I I get a little emotional over that over that passage just thinking, you know, that um, you know, thinking thinking that it does go against them and that well, it, you know, she knows and she knows it's all her fault. She's like laying it out for him. There's this very narrow path and this is the only way we're going to make it through. And she's right. They're just nobody is counting on Joffrey to be, you know, or little finger um <laughs> to fuck it all up. So, you know, it's like, well, even that, though, I mean, I think like what she's saying, like, okay, if we get Tywin, which they don't get, but we know they get Jamie, you know, that then we might be able to make a trade. And then the whole thing that they is concurrently will be happening in King's Landing, where they they're setting up that deal with Ned, you know, okay, you're going to. Right. And all of that, it's this very narrow path, but it should work. And then what they don't count on is Joffrey pulling his I am the king, kill him crap, which, of course, sends it all to hell. And then they, and, you know, they don't and, count on Bruce Bolton betraying him. Well, and there's stuff, and I'll wait till we get to the end of the chapter yeah. that sets up how that, well, the first betrayal is going to happen. And has this only been a few weeks? Am I, is that too short of a time frame that I must, because it doesn't seem like it's been that long. No, I mean, shit pretty much all goes down pretty yes. dramatically yeah. in King's Landing. Yeah. Um, you know, as soon as, you know, I think I think Ned probably confronts Cersei, like, the day Robert's being, you know, okay. bored, bored to death, basically. It's pretty overwhelming for anyone to handle and then to realize, I mean, as rash as that was in the inn and taking Tyrion, that's a lot. You know, to suddenly be facing the whole entire Lannister army is wild. Yeah. And to have, you know, Ned, I mean, and, you know, they don't even really mention um, Arya. So one thing, you know, I I have a couple questions, and this one fits in here a little bit. Um, Isn't it weird that Kat never, ever thinks about Bran or Rickon? Like, she never thinks about them. (laughs) Is it because she assumes they're safe? I mean, does she just think Winterfell's that strong? Yeah, that is a little, that's a good point. Or even, like, there's, I don't recall anything in any of her chapters that would have even told her that Bran was awake. Oh. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's a good point. It's like George just kind of forgot that she would probably, you know, still care. Somebody should have sent a raven. (laughs) Right. (laughs) And, you know, Rickon's this little three-year-old boy. You know, it's just, I don't know, it's just weird. Like, I feel like, yeah, she's got a lot on her plate, but I would think there'd be some longing on her part to just go back to Winterfell herself. Yeah, you know? I'd be willing to say that that could be an error on George's part. You know, that that wouldn't be a character thing that he probably should have injected a little, because definitely being three years old, you know, even Rickon was young. 
you know, moms well, yeah. think about those things. <laughs> well, she's I remember. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. She's putting a lot of trust in like Maester Lewin being there still, and she sent Roderick back. So she's yeah. probably putting most of her trust in knowing that at least those two are there right. to help guide them while she's away. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. There was, um, I think he was, somebody must, there's like, I don't know if it's a Thus Spake Martin or it was an interview or something, but I believe Martin said that one of the things he regretted was not, for instance, giving, um, setting up more of a relationship between, um, I think someone must have asked him about Catelyn's relationship with Arya and had this idea that they were antagonistic. And he's, he said something like he wished he had kind of set up that stuff more. I mean, it's yeah. a, it's a fast book and it's, yeah. which is, I think what makes it so enjoyable as compared to say the fourth and fifth books, which are much more dense. I think because it's really kind of, it's not, there's not as much going on. It's not, not, wait, that's not the wrong way to say it. It's less, um, I mean, she would be literally drowning in her tears if she was thinking about Arya and thinking about Sansa and thinking about Ned and thinking about Rob and thinking about Bran and thinking about Rickon. <laughs> yeah, and I think it's also the nature of the whole POV structure. Okay. You know, we know he's awake. Maybe George is like, I've got this much plot to get out. Yeah. So. Yeah, and maybe she thinks about them before bed. It's just off POV. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, and I mean, she certainly drowns in her tears in the next book. So mm. this one, she's a little more, uh, a little more strategic. So speaking of, of the strategy of it, Rob and Kat kind of get into it. And this kind of reminds me of the show a little bit where I feel like 90% of their scenes were like the two of them looking at a map. Yeah. So this was like a nice, <laughs> hey, okay, this is this looks familiar to me. So Rob tells Kat about the battles that have already been fought in the Riverlands. And Jamie routed Edmund's forces at the Golden Tooth while Tywin brought a second army from the south. And Rob keeps not being able to remember Beric Dondarrion's name. It's <laughs> so funny. <laughs> um but he does know that his forces were defeated and that Tywin controls the King's Road and is marching north towards Harrenhal. When um, when you read this now and they mention, like, you know, the Kingslayer doing this and that, are you kind of like, yeah, Jamie, go. <laughs> I was. <laughs> I have a little pride in Jamie winning, you know, some of these battles, <laughs> I, I have to say. I do. Um, Rob thinks that they need to march south to meet Tywin's army, but Cat counters that they're in a strong defensive position now. But she knows that Rob's bannermen can't stay at Mount Kalen forever. So they are basically in a position where they have to force some decisive action. Rob says that the Great John wants to attack Tywin in force, while the Glovers and Karstarks think he should go around Tywin's army and meet up with Edmure against Jamie. And Kat simply counsels Rob to be decisive in front of his men. She tells him to command. And I think he's a little bit taken aback at that, but you know, he, he clearly almost immediately rises to that challenge. And he draws up a map and outlines the strategy, which is to leave a really small force at Mount Kalen of archers, which be interesting. I don't I can't remember what happens to them. Um, can anyone? No. Mm-mm. OK, thank you. Mitchell, <laughs> not no, me. maybe. I don't know. Uh, Check back in with no. Mount Kalen to like the Ironborn are there, right? Right. That's what I'm yeah. thinking. And so I wonder yeah. if they're defeated by the Ironborn by like Ash's forces, right? Yeah. Um, I don't know. Carrion holds it. But there's that whole weird plot of, like, if you follow Ned's, like, bones back yeah. ending, they, like, disappear somewhere around, like, the neck of Mokalin. Oh, they never yeah. So I feel like somewhere in there is the answer. Yeah, yeah. there's, like, three archer dudes who are going to be, like, the guys in Gilligan's Island that, like, they would run into <laughs> that still thought World War II was going on. I don't know. <laughs> 
<laughs> my random old person <laughs> reference of the day. Um, so, so he's going to leave that force at Molkala and then split his force into luring Tywin to engage part of his army while the rest makes for River Run. And Rob plans to give Great John command of the forces against Tywin. And I have a short passage. It was his first misstep, but how to make him see it without wounding his fledgling confidence. Your father once told me that the Great John was as fearless as any man he had ever known. Rob grinned. Greywind ate two of his fingers and he laughed about it. So you agree then? Your father is not fearless, Catelyn pointed out. He is brave, but that is very different. Her son considered that for a moment. The eastern host will be at be all that stands between Lord Tywin and Winterfell, he said thoughtfully. Well, them and whatever few bowmen I leave here at the moat. So I don't want someone fearless, do I? No, you want cold cunning, I should think, not courage. Bruce Bolton, Rob said at once. That man scares me. Then let us pray he will scare Tywin Lannister as well. <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> oh, this is, I think the first... Because this is what's going to be the big... It's the Green Fork, right? The Battle of the yeah. Green Fork? Yep. And this is where... Bruce sets up to basically take out his neighbors. He throws the battle. Yep. And then, um, uh, like, the Hornwoods, the, I can't, they say it like Cowan on the show. I don't know if that's how you say it. The Glovers. But he's basically taking out the people who are, like, adjoining his uh, land. And um, years ago... Thrown in with Tywin at that point. No, I think it's putting himself in advantageous position. Yeah, I think it's very much he's sort of setting up things. Like he's like, okay, I, you know, here's the situation. I can take advantage of this, and you know, I'm now going to be because I think when they with Hornwoods, what ends up happening is that it's just that old lady left after the battle. Um, The the Glovers end up in. captured and hair i mean like but basically he's kind of setting it up so that when he does go back home he's going to have a lot more land than he had before but i don't think he's like in league with anyone at this point i think he's just like oh yeah he's using it he's eliminating his enemies at home and abroad well and i think the abroad part i think happens the next time we meet up with them because i think they're at the the towers and isn't that when he gets um Married? Is that when he gets Walda? I think uh. so. I think they're married quite, because I remember there's a bit where Kate, uh, Caitlin is um, surprised to hear. But I think that. Arya actually hears, when she's in Harrenhal, she actually, um, he's married there, I know. Yeah. So um, Caitlin agrees with the Roose Bolton decision and tells Rob that she's not going home to Winterfell. She's staying with Rob and going to River Run. And the chapter ends on this this line, which is, I think kind of brilliant. I actually bolded and made it bigger font in my notes. Just inside information. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Catelyn had fought to keep herself strong for Ned's sake and for the stubborn, brave son of theirs. She had put despair and fear aside as if they were garments she did not choose to wear. But now she saw that she had donned them after all. (laughs) God. (laughs) Foreshadowing, my God. I mean, do you guys, so one of the questions I have is, you know, do these chapters read like a death march just because we know what happens? Like, yes. do you remember if you ever read them or ever, you know, or even in the show when you were watching it, you know, did you think this was just all doom or did you think that no. they had a chance? Well, I can't speak for anyone else, but I didn't start reading the books till I think after 
either towards the end of the second season or after the second season. And I remember watching the show thinking this all sound very like, okay, this is what's going to happen. Um, And I mean, even until even when I started reading Clash of Kings, I was thinking that it was going to somehow work out because I don't think on the show. It's not till season three that we start learning that, yeah, they're winning battles, but they're losing the war. And I don't think until you're in Storm of Swords that you get that sense of despair. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's so much. I mean, I just I was not really prepared for the amount of despair in this chapter. Yeah, I don't think I picked up on it either because I read the books. The series was you know, it was two seasons in, but I read the books before I watched it. And I remember it took me – and I thought back. I was like, why did it take me so long to realize where this was headed? But it took me a while to realize. <laughs> Anyone else? Mo, Mitchell? Um, I read the books just before the series started. And I, I don't know. I never got particularly attached to the Starks. So, um, I mean, I saw that the darkness of it, but – I never really saw how thought how far it could really go. So, who are you attached to? Just out of curiosity. Um, I, I don't usually when I read stuff, I don't get like super attached to okay. anyone. Um, Wise, <laughs> yeah, especially I, I, in the series. <laughs> yeah, because I mean, like everybody's like, oh, I threw the book and stuff, and I'm like, I've never done that. Because I, I just really. Kind of, yeah, I just kind of, when I read, I just kind of observe as I read. That sounds weird, but... Um, That's good for this series, then you save yourself yeah, a lot yeah. of... <laughs> I tossed like, my trade paper in a back copy of Storm of Swords across the room <laughs> two times. No, I, I, well, I never got really that attached to the Starks, so I didn't, okay. like, it didn't phase me that much, maybe. Oh, I don't know. No, I mean, I, I got, like, yeah. got attached to Bran as, like, we got into her POV chapters and stuff, but... Otherwise, not really. And that for me, in this book, I feel much more attached to Danny than to anyone because I think her story is um, the best in this book. How about you, Mitchell? What's your experience, kind of reading these chapters or experiencing these chapters? Uh, pretty painful. Um, <laughs> um, in like the like two two months after season five ended, so I knew I knew how it was going to go down with Rob and Catelyn, and really it was just like the whole way through like i wouldn't say i wasn't attached but it was like i was just like i i was the least interested in in no in knowing how that would end up and mm-hmm. then try, like the whole time i was like don't root for them Doob. <laughs> <laughs> so did we um do we have any mail comma yes, well, first please. any other any other comments on the chapters i had a couple questions of varying importance uh pretty small thing but in the description of the Manderly forces, I thought this was crazy. They have lancemen, pikemen, and people with tridents. Oh, is that, is that a thing? <laughs> well, isn't that oh, because part of their um? Isn't that on their sigil? Their yeah, moment. it seems so like un- I, I don't know. I think that Mira Reed actually fights with the trident, doesn't she? She's like a net and a trident. Is yeah. That right? yeah, yeah. That's an awesome catch because I I totally kind of skimmed that I guess that's kind of cool. <laughs> I just think of like Finnick O'Dare, you know, from the Hunger Games with this trident. <laughs> I thought of that too because also when I read that I was like, this can't be a useful weapon. Like I refuse to believe that. <laughs> like you use two hands. Like what? What's the deal with Gosh. that? Gosh. <laughs> yeah, I can see people spinning it and stabbing it. <laughs> There's it's a. So isn't there a brand of tuna with the merman with the trident, or am I making that up? No, no I think you're right. Yeah. 
quick not Google. chicken of the sea. It's um. <laughs> now I'm it's gonna kill me until I find it. Starkist tuna, maybe I don't know. <laughs> it's probably not. Yeah, I think that is. I think it's like the fish with like a. Well, there's chicken. there's a Trident <laughs> brand tuna. Don't. But they apparently do not have a trident on um on their logo. Chicken of the Sea is the mermaid. What was the star kissed was the other one? You know, this is going on the episode description. <laughs> well wait, I do see I do see a trident seafoods. There's one label that does have the trident on it. So that might be the one you're thinking okay. of. Okay. <laughs> so Starkist has like a fish with with glasses and a beret. Like what? <laughs> I don't know where where Martin writes, but I'm just picturing like him sitting down for a snack and it's a tuna salad sandwich and looking at the can and then suddenly, you know, subconsciously, Manderley's forces now all have tridents. Well, and he's made them look like walruses, so I guess like, oh, I yeah. like a walrus dude with a trident. Look at stare here to a walrus. <laughs> I just like the idea that, like, you could be in the middle of a battle and it's just like, those guys have pitchforks over there? Just, oh, no, those are tridents. <laughs> and it might throw people <laughs> off. Maybe that's a little bit of an advantage. Like, what are these big guys? Uh, yeah. I'm assuming everyone's big now, but what are these big yeah. guys with tridents? So you kind of picture, like, the peasants who actually do just have pitchforks, and then the man is like, oh, no, these are tridents. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's up it's kind of song. It's a trident. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, God. <laughs> so, do you have another great question, Mitchell? I like that one. That's good. I think not, not on that level, I don't think. The <laughs> um, So, Rob says they can't stay at Mokalin because they would run out of food. Is that true? I feel like I feel like it poss- it's doable. Like they, I mean, especially once they have Jamie, it seems like they could have just kind of set up I camp. I took it more as a case of it's not a standing army, so they have to get back to their land, more or less. Kind of like how um, Edmure lets all of the Riverlanders go. That's true. Yeah, they said it was a lot of small folk and stuff. And, you know, winter's coming. And it's not like they were preparing for this. It's not like they were were gathering up forces to do any of this stuff. So they wouldn't have had, oh. like, a whole bunch of provisions already, you know, stored away or anything. Well, it, it's, I don't know, I'm trying to think. You know, those 1,500 Manderly dudes, like, those guys probably eat a lot. I bet you they brought some food. You <laughs> <laughs> see it now. Okay, that makes sense. Um, Kama, do we have any mail? We do. Um, we have two messages. They're a little long, but they're good. Um, all right. This is from Johnny and the Kits. Uh, from Tumblr. I've been quietly enjoying the podcast, ladies and gents. Thank you for adding a new pronunciation of Targaryen to my vocabulary. <laughs> also, I'm 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 voting for Baby Lot's name to be Larry or Carol. I'll oh. out, they will make the list. Um, in the last podcast, you were discussing various and Peter. I'm a House Baelish creeper, so I remember far too many details about this man. There is a link between Varys, Peter, and Sansa, and his name is Sir Shadrick the Mad Mouse. We first meet the Mad Mouse while a certain someone is telling every person Raven Rock and Hedge that she is looking for a highborn maid of three and ten. Varys offered dragons for Sansa's return. Sir Shadrick wants that coin. By the end of A Feast for Crows, he was in the service of Peter Baelish. 
I might investigate the situation if I were the Mad Mouse. Honestly, no one finds it strange that Peter suddenly has a daughter? Not everyone can be fooled by a little hair dye. Plus, the high-bornish or the highish-born bastards tend to get noticed or at least whispered about. Could Sir Shadrick be reporting back to Varys? You get more interaction between them in the Elaine chapter from Winds, and it seems like he's following her. At one point, she physically runs into him and then asks if he'll join the melee. To which he replies, "A good melee is all a head." Hedge Knight can hope for, unless he stumbles on a bag of dragons, and that's not likely, is it? Subtle George. I honestly can't remember if Peter has dropped any hints about Aegon, but that doesn't seem like something he'd share with Sansa. Plus, he might not bet on a might-be prince that he cannot can't maneuver. Currently, Varys might have one up on Peter. Sorry if I rambled on a bit too long, but you know how Spalish can't abide long silences. So I feel like cracking my knuckles here because, boy, there's nothing I like more than Sir Shadrick uh, speculation. <laughs> so I was loving this message. So my only, you know, my first comment on it is I don't know that there's necessarily a link between Varys and, and Sir Shadrick, though, because I think, you know, it wasn't really Varys offering money for Sansa. It was really, you know, Cersei, right? Like Varys isn't offering, or am I wrong? Tell me if I'm wrong if um, Varys was actually offering money like himself for her return or if it was really the crown offering it. I wonder, um, does he have his little birds out there looking for her? Well, you know, it's like not that long after Sansa disappears that Varys disappears. That's kind of what um, is stopping me a little bit. You know, if you think he's gone as soon as, you know, he's gone with Tyrion basically. So, you know, a couple, like maybe a few weeks after Sansa disappears. Yeah. So I always sort of thought of you know Sir Shadrick just being more on the face of what he of what he appears to be just like an opportun opportunistic hedge knight more or less. Um, but yeah, I mean I think he is absolutely. I mean I I've kind of thought that it's very likely that he does nab Sansa from um, this tournament that she's planning, and then Sansa might end up getting like double kidnapped by uh, you know you know the multitude of people in the Riverlands. I mean let's count them off. Who could you know, you got the Hound, you have the Blackfish, you have Jamie and Brienne, you have the Brotherhood Without Banners, you have Nymeria's Wolf Pack. You got like a oh, whole wow. shit ton of people who could be grabbing her um, as soon as as soon as she comes down from the veil with anyone. Well, I think you might be on to something. I mean, it, you don't necessarily have to have a reward out there. I mean, for someone to be going, hey, this is, you know, I can do the math. This is probably Sansa Stark. And I bet you there are a shitload of people who would pay good money for her. Oh, yeah. And I a, think, like, oh, I saw a thing up at the post office. You know, I'll go. Well, I'm assuming that Cersei has a reward for her return yeah, but as well. I don't even know if you need that. I mean, I, I'm just saying, like, that's part oh, of the like danger. Oh, like, sell her to the in, highest There bidder. might just be some random guy going, oh, hey, you know, someone must want her. Kind of like yeah. the Hound is kind of like that with Arya. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's an exactly. You know, everyone else thinks she's dead, and he's more like, oh, well, I could, you know, make money off of her. But, yeah, I mean, I absolutely think that either Shadrick is going to abduct her from that tourney, or um, he is going to try, and a mystery knight, i.e. Brienne of Tarth, is going to beat him down mm. at the tourney, because they will, you know, she and Pod and Hyle will show up at this tourney in disguise, kind of. I don't know. Whatever it is, I'm sure it'll be horrible, and we'll be so glad that the show went, with the storylines they did instead. 
she said sarcastically. <laughs> I was going to say. Because, but... <laughs> I, I mean, like, Attorney with a Mystery Night, that sounds terrible. Who would want to watch that? <laughs> uh, we got one other message. This is from Stephen Yates, um, who sent us a Gmail. Hi, everybody at Close the Door and Come Here. Thanks for continuing to continuing to entertain with your excellent podcasts. Regarding whether or not Robert Aaron is Littlefinger's son, don't forget that when Hoster Tully is dying and delirious from Milk of the Poppy, he mentions the word tansy. This, it would seem, is a reference to tansy tea uh, used to produce abortions, which was given to Lysa because she had illegitimately conceived. There are other things he said that back this up, such as, in quotes, the blood. Hoster was presumably feeling guilty as this procedure had made it hard for Lysa to subsequently bear children. The implication is that she had become pregnant by Peter Baelish when he had been staying at River Run recovering from his wounds from his fight with Brandon, and his low birth made this drastic move a necessity as Lysa needed to be buried off to someone of higher status. As for whether Littlefinger would be willing to kill his own son, of course he would. He's Littlefinger. I'm, that's, there's exclamation. <laughs> anyway, a bastard son is of no use and could even, if discovered, be a problem. So establishing him as Lord of the Vale, exploiting that power while you can, and then killing him makes sense. Hope that provides food for discussion. Sorry this email is so long, but like all George R.R. R. Martin subtext, it ain't simple. Thanks again for the podcast. All the best. Um, I mean, there's a pretty huge taboo against kinslaying. I mean, I know I, Peter like killed his wife, so it really shouldn't be, you know, that big of a stretch to think that he'd kill his, you know, that he'd kill his son. But I don't think he knows. I think the irony is something that George wouldn't be able to resist. Oh, that he doesn't just, know that he. That I he just don't think know. Liza could ma- could like handle like that kind of a. She couldn't handle that. No, I mean, I think on the show they're going that direction. Um, I don't know in the books. Well, I don't know. I thought about it. I mean, it kind of makes sense, but I forgot about all that tansy business. I'm glad you brought brought that. Oh yeah, up, it's, that's from the that whole moon tea thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think we'll I think we'll come across that when we get. To, is it the Clash chapters? When she's with her father. Oh, oh it's yeah. like actually Storm of Swords, man. Oh, there's so it's a little Yeah, ways, but, but there's a lot of it because at okay. first she thinks Tansy is like somebody's name. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Now like that her father had a girlfriend named Tansy at some point and it t- takes yeah, her a Kat while. has no idea that, you know, Peter and Lysa ever even slept together. Like she's completely in the dark about that whole relationship. Yeah. Although, I mean, I think it's Tyrion who tells her that... Um, isn't that. he the one who tells her that Peter's been like basically saying to anyone who will listen that either he either Tyrion both, or Jamie is that yeah, he had both of their uh, maiden yeah. heads and slept with both of them, which yeah. we know is half a lie. Yeah, Peter. <laughs> God, what a, <sighs> I just, I mean, I just can't. I have a hard time believing that he'd be quite so. Um, I mean, he wants to poison him. You know, like it's not even like. He's not even like a gentle death, really. I don't no, know. No, it's a I horrible, just, awful. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, again, he did, you know, throw his can wife I, out the moon door. Can I just say, I was listening to one of the episodes I wasn't on, and I think there was discussion about 
you know, what would have happened if, if uh, Robin had been sent elsewhere to be fostered, like to Stannis or something yeah. like that. And I think what, I mean, the show didn't kind of play this up, but I think what we keep forgetting is that Robert Aaron has a lot of problems that have nothing to do with his mother. I mean, mm-hmm. he's got seizures. He's got, he's, he's sort of sickly in a time when there really wouldn't be a lot of medication. I mean, I don't think it matters who's raising him. I mean, he might be, you know, less of a little shit, but right. he might've been messed I, I don't up in different think, ways. <laughs> yeah. I, I think he's not in good shape in an era when, you know, the healthcare for a kid like that would have been non-existent. Like maybe if he would have gone to Dorn. I mean, I'm sure both Tywin and Stannis would have spared no expense to make sure he was comfortable. <laughs> <laughs> oh man they would be so cruel and can you imagine what Melisandre would do to him like I could see her like just he would break him in half it would be like a level of frustration and like these guys are like drill sergeants and they've got this kid well I mean it's like Sam and you know Sam and the and his father yeah. you know there's you, you can't tough love your kid into being a different person, basically, you know, right. with or under certain things. Yeah. Yeah. When, you know, nothing's going to change. I mean, yeah. Like to Kama's point, Robert would probably be less of a little shit, but, but she, did she uh, say she wanted to take him to Winterfell? Is that what she said in this chapter? Yeah. Cause did, I, yeah, I actually think gonna... Winterfell, like in a normal time, Winterfell would have been a really probably stable well, home know, for him. Yeah. Hang out with uh, his cousins, yeah. you know, like, Best case Although, scenario. Again, he's a sickly kid. It's like taking a, a you know someone who's tubercular into a you know a wet jungle climate. Oh, I mean, yeah, it's like they got those hot springs, though. Well, I mean that's true, but again, I think like I don't know. There's like I've I've found actually there's fanfic and stuff of you know how it would have like fix it thick. I I don't think I think that's part of the problem with he's just. The behavioral problems, yeah, you could deal with. You know, there's certain things that Lysa has done, you know, that have made this kid into a little monster. But he's got a whole whack load of problems that I don't think would be fixable. And yeah, yeah you know, he's probably not in a good sleep schedule, and that would help. Well, also, like, instead to say, like, the seizures themselves actually do have like a permanent negative effect on your brain and change your mood and change. Yeah, so. He unfortunately that time period if they were it sounds like they're not controlled that yeah that would probably growing up with that he'd have major major problems <laughs> which is I'm sad yeah. I mean I'm, I don't know maybe there's a corner of Essos where they're making breakthrough stuff I don't know but you know <laughs> yeah the poor kid was probably doomed I mean, from the start if Kyburn can make an anti dragon gun <laughs> how come he can't do some anti seizure medication <laughs> There we oh, go. Man. Get that man on it. If his so, seizures are at all like Jojen seizure, seizures and like maybe connected to like Warging or something, it seems like you can maybe leave like, Asos. And, and maybe there, yeah. And you know, there's no Weirwoods in the Eyrie, so maybe if he left the Eyrie, although I guess he would have been in King's Landing before. Um, his own is Weirwood. So I'm thinking once he goes down to like the gates of the moon or wherever he's headed now, maybe he'll feel better. That would be really kind of cool if, if he, oh, you know... Maybe the atmosphere? He, like, wouldn't that be yeah. weird if that was causing, like, if he was predispositioned to it? Oh, did they ever say if he was having these in King's Landing? Like, is, was he just sickly from birth? That would be interesting. It sounds like he was pretty sick from yeah. birth. You know, that whole... I'm, I, they don't talk a lot about what Lysa Aaron's life was like in court. And I gotta say, 
man, that must have been some kind of interesting. I mean, think of like the ladies of court, like the high ladies oh, of court at that time. You would have basically had Cersei, Selyse, and Liza. Oh man! Except I think Selyse oh, was. A, um, that's a fun bunch. No, I don't think. I think she was stuck in Dragonstone for okay. most of it. Okay. I think it was like sort of the usual like. You know, you leave the lady back and whatever. But I think Lysa was with John Aaron, it sounds yeah, like. Yeah, she was. And, I mean, I can't imagine. I mean, they're, you know, she's just a couple of years younger than Cersei, but I can't imagine them, you know, palling around. Uh, <laughs> awkward cocktail parties. That's what that is. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And then Jamie, who, you know, she might have been married to, would have been there. And just, yeah, there was, you know, not a lot of, uh, not a lot of social life, I would suspect, for her. Or what there was would probably be, oh, man. I mean, I feel sorry for her in so many levels. Because, I mean, I know John or Robert and um, Ned thought the world of John Aaron, but, my God, he, he does not sound like he would be anybody's ideal husband. Well, I think he probably just felt like she should be grateful that, you know, anyone would, you know, would that this highborn her. lord no, would take I, I just, her. And I she think needed a- someone who was going to be, you know, pretty gentle with her. I can't can't re- excuse me. <clears throat> I can't remember what book it's in, but she at some point talks about like how he smelled of cheese all the time, and I'm just like, <laughs> it's just such a small detail, but it doesn't sound like it was a good oh, and I write cheddar. I mean, it sounds like oh god, there's this disgusting old man, and she was a young woman. I mean, she was what, yeah, 16 or 15 when she got married to this guy who's like, you know three times it's funny already. like she and Cersei actually had like a lot mm. in common you just you know there's no way they would ever you know Cersei is not the type to have girlfriends yeah totally and that's so something George would do to set up a character that you end up you know she kind of feel like she creeps me out majorly and I don't have a lot of when I don't think about it how she is now I don't have a lot of sympathy but she's pretty tragic you know of all the things yeah. that happened to her and, and uh, I mean, it doesn't always work tragic. out that you turn out you know sometimes tragedy destroys people and creates monsters yeah. right. you know Right, kids. So that's it, right, for our mail? <laughs> that's it. It's good mail. Such a happy, yeah, oh great mail. mail. And, you know, such a happy chapter, too. So. <laughs> um, if you like, if you want more of this, uh, support our podcast and become a Patreon. We have benefits like special episodes and early access to all of our new episodes. And listen and review us on iTunes, Podbean, Stitcher, Google Play, and all of the places. And find us on Tumblr, Twitter, Facebook, and email us at closethedoorand at gmail.com. So I just want to thank our panel and thank all of you for listening. And I'm closing the door. Get out. <laughs>